Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I re also appreciate the fact that, you know, you share this information and it's an honor for me to learn about. You got that reversed. It's my honor to learn from you. <laughs> okay. No, I'm but humbled. Dr. Ryan Cargano of Creative Solutions in Riverside started his agency with $400,000 of his own money to create a better quality counseling service for the families with whom he worked as a social worker. By the beginning of the recession in 2008, he had already grown to $1.5 million with contracts in several counties, but his quality programs, networks, and training helped him continue to grow. By the end of the recession in 2012, he more than doubled with $3.3 in earnings. By 2018, when my study ended, he led a $4.1 million organization. That's over 271% growth during the worst years of our economy. His story of mission and calling out of tragedy is quite inspiring, and I'll let you hear it for yourself. Welcome to 501c3BS, busting the myths of the social sector and deprogramming you for organizational growth. Brought to you by the Gianneschi Center for Nonprofit Research at California State University Fullerton College of Business and Economics, celebrating our 25th anniversary year in 2021. I'm Zoot Velasco director of the Gianneschi, and your host for this podcast journey. So what year did you first incorporate as an organization? In the year 2005. And uh, I always considered myself as an outsider in child welfare. Because if I may say this to you, my background is in philosophy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> my education here, you know, uh, I became an independent scholar in the early 90s. Uh, prior to my immigration in the United States, I was already teaching in the La Salle University in Manila. I went back to the Philippines after I completed my PhD in philosophy. And I worked there, I worked with uh, an um, NGO, uh, Jerry Rojas Foundation, one of the largest in the Philippines. They have funding from USAID. I work with them as a consultant for educating the national Philippine National Police at that time. And... Um, had become a dean of graduate school in Colegio de la Porcima Concepción as a college. So I was actually in graduate school teaching philosophy and also in, in the university. I, I, I lost my wife in um, 2002. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. So uh, my, and the reason why I actually came back to U.S. My wife was diagnosed with cancer. We came back in 2000. And in 2000, you know, uh, that's where I started um, social work. My, my wife who passed away was the one who really, you know, kind of um, challenged me to, because I was, I was a caregiver, okay? It was a very bad, you, you know. So you became a, a social worker during her cancer? Yes, in okay. the year 2000, and partly because we're receiving this treatment in City of Hope in Pasadena. And the only job at that time <laughs> that has flexibility for me to take her to chemotherapy, stuff like that, which is becoming regular, is uh, doing social work. So that was the beginning of my introduction to social work is in the year 2000. I did it for two years. After 2002, I became an administrator. So I was already in the management, so, you know, of, uh, and then, um, then word of mouth, some agencies had asked me to train their staff because they heard good things about, you know, what, what my, my, my outcomes and all that. 
So I had I had exposure I had exposure with many agencies as a independent contractor, you know, consultant, trainer, and and that's how I really deepen my understanding of you know the program. So I have two years of uh, working as a social worker. The rest I was already performing management role and other capacities with other organizations. Uh, I started actually developing the program around 2004. And, uh, and, you know, I work in different places and I see a lot of problems, you know, I see a lot of things. I learn from them, but at the same time, um, I, I sense that, you know, I said, you know, I, I think there, there must be something we can do better. And, and actually that prompted me, you know, um, to, to develop. Um, fortunately, at that time, I, I, I had the ability to fund my program. I made some money in real estate, and um, to be honest, I did not even rationalize anything. Uh, if I go, <laughs> and honestly, if I if I go back in time, I probably would be more conservative. But I probably got a quarter million there in my house, two hundred fifty thousand, and I have some that I even you know at that point I cannot even account some of the money. But I'm I, at that time I have about four hundred thousand that you know I I just want to put there. I would call it a leap of faith because um, I never have done really a critical analysis in terms of the risks that, you know, are potential for this type of endeavor. All I have is, you know, I, I have, I'm convicted. I am going to start something. And this something is, you know, I believed in, I'm fully committed. I'm going to work hard and, um, you know, I, I, I just, for some reason, my background is philosophy, but I've never been using logic a lot. <laughs> so it's more of my faith. And uh, as you know, when you open this uh, kind of uh, program, nonprofit, um, question is really funding from the beginning. You, there's really a big risk to put, you know, um, substantial amount of money with no guarantee, <laughs> pretty much, if, uh, if the county will contract or will there be placement or people will follow you or, you know, families will, 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 will join the organization to become certified parents. So there are many, many barriers. One of the influence in my decision is there are several observations. Um, first, I'm not very, I was, I was not very much satisfied with the quality of services um, provided to children. The engagement, the level of uh, interaction uh, from the standpoint of uh, the management to the social workers, the treatment team to the staff. It wasn't mm-hmm. so much that you were creating a new normal or a new, a new uh, type of agency or new type of program, you just wanted to create better quality of program and engagement and interaction. That was the, that, that was the initial maybe spark that really, you know, ignited my interest. Um, I, I, I saw the possibility, the potential of, uh, you know, offering something better in the community, something that I feel humbly gifted uh, based from the feedback given to me not only by the families that I work with, but even some people in the county, you know, who in my meeting, for example, um, I had this agency that I work with and um, they had asked me to correct, to, 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 to you know, to, to work in mitigating the issues with, with the department because of uh, internal problems. And someone spoke with me and said, you know, if you know all about this, why, why don't you come up with your program? So, so there, there's something that, that triggered my interest, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Well, it's it's interesting to me that it's not that you were creating a new program or different direction as some of the other people I've interviewed. You mm -hmm. just you just saw that there was a need for better quality of service and that you could provide that. And so how did you g get people to buy into your um, way of better quality? Did you was it through um, uh, was it through evaluation and showing that you're you were getting better results or or how was it that you were able to get i'm assuming that most of your funding is through government correct the the initial funding was coming from my own my you know myself i was okay. the only you know so um all right so once you started your organization your your funding comes from program fees from county contracts from state contracts where is the main uh, funding come from to do the programs you do? Okay, so once uh, my program was approved by the state of California, I am now able to offer my program to the different counties. I was able to obtain a contract with Riverside Department of Public Social Services to provide treatment services for children who are abused and neglected. I'm going to interrupt you because I, I, I want to get the I want to see how this fl flowed because okay. it's it sounds to me, and this is something I've been hearing over and over again in my interviews, right? That that originally you were self-funded. Most people are their original funding comes from family and friends, mm -hmm. and and then you were able to get a, a contract with Riverside. Do you remember the year you started with Riverside? Two thousand and six. Okay, so two thousand six, you get a contract with Riverside. So then you're, you're, by 2007, you probably had a good increase in funding, right? The way it is, is there's no guarantee for actually for funding. It will be in the form of, uh, you will have to recruit. You have to find the kids and the Train parents. families. Got it. Then when you have families who are uh, prepared to, to provide services to children, then they will look into matching placements and they may call you, it's not a guarantee that they really will contact you for placement. Uh, so it was a very slow process. Um, okay, so, so then uh, uh, San Bernardino County, do you remember what year you got that contract? Uh, around also, I believe around 2006 as well. Okay, but it was shortly after then the Riverside. Shortly after I, you know, I obtained contract with Riverside. Um, and then do you remember when Orange County contract started? Orange County was around 2007. Wow, so they were pretty quick in succession. Then Ventura, when did that start? I had obtained a small contract in Ventura in around 2016, I believe. Okay, so um, so the big movement that you did during the recession when most people were not doing so well, mm -hmm. a lot of that came because of these contracts or was there another source of income? If I reflect back on how the evolution, the evolution of uh, the program, um, as you know, placement contract is not really a guarantee. There are many of us here in the Inland Empire. My first office was in Moreno Valley. And in Moreno Valley itself, in the city, there's probably around uh, nine foster care agencies during that time. So when I started in 2006, uh, the first year, we're blessed to be able to to really project good outcomes with our kids. Um, I was able to successfully um, train and develop families, foster families who, who really sincere, you know, and, um, and um, made an impact 
when the kids that are placed in their homes because a very big chunk of this uh, i think is uh, outcomes when it comes to specific placement then you get like a name recollection from the county and they say oh you know this agency we can, can rely on them or, you know let's let's use this agency so in 2006 uh we experienced gradual growth uh, 2007 there already was name recall about creative solutions in the county of riverside i i remember that um, some people in the placement unit of uh, riverside county cps will always call us because they believe that when they place children with us you know they're well taken care of that we have good parents so 2006 2007 and actually um 2008 while many programs at that time were closing uh people were just referring to us you know there were families who were not getting paid because some agencies are you know beginning to experience insolvency so let me understand something the contract you get is basically just a license to be able to recruit clients, and then you have to go out and recruit the clients, correct? Yes. So we're licensed by the state of California to recruit families, train families, and license resource families or foster parents, because they have to be uh, in, in, in the old uh, regulation, we call that certification. How, how do, like, I don't understand how you recruit them, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, if I may be <laughs> honest with you, I never actually recruited because I don't know how to recruit. It all started with me when I opened my program, my office. There were families that knew me before, found out that I opened, and they were looking for me. Until now, actually, we, we grow by referral. Uh, I don't have a recruiter, which most uh, foster care agencies do. Um, but our growth has been triggered or, you know, uh, because of referral uh, from our own families, from people in the community. Okay, so let's open the door and, you know, hoping that somebody will walk in. So I did, I did have some walk-ins, but then um, there were parents who have prior experience. They came, they signed up, and then all of a sudden they started telling their story to another family, then soon after another family, and, and that's how we experienced growth. And pretty much 100% of your income is from uh, state co contracts with these counties and, and referrals. Is that correct? Yes. All in all, my experience inside welfare was over, you know, it's almost five years before I opened the organization. And, uh, and if I attribute the growth of the organization, the significant part of which was the families, but also the placement of the counties, and I think uh, we may have the families, but if the county do not support or believe in our outcomes or the quality of services, we were not able to grow because ultimately it's a combination of both. And I also attribute the engagement of staff, of my team, the people who work with me. Um, I am blessed to have um, tenured, uh, tenured and um professionals who stayed in the organization for over 10 years. I think one of the elements, a very important key that I was doing was engaging the team. Um, I believe in the integrated process of engaging the staff, um, making them informed about uh, the mission. Um, I am very big on the mission, organizational mission. I really want them to understand and connect to the purpose of the organization and find that purpose in themselves.
Thank you to the Gene Eshi Center for Nonprofit Research, California State University Fullerton, and the College of Business and Economics for supporting our podcast. Our supporters include the Orange County Community Foundation, Southern California Gas Company, and you, our listeners. Thanks for the music provided to us by the California-based Brazilian Coro Ensemble, Grupo Falso Baiano. Have a great week, free from BS. Thank you.